0: This is an Eye Annapolis bonus podcast. Well, we hopped over here to the Annapolis Library on West Street and learned something new that it opens at 10 a.m. I thought it opened a little bit earlier, but we're we here with uh, Kat Albrecht, who is with the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention, and you are the area director right here in charge of uh, the entire state of Maryland, but you are in, in Delaware as well? Yes,
1: I'm the Maryland and Delaware area director.
0: And your based right here in Annapolis. Yes. <laughs> well, I, I Well, I'm I'm upset that we have to have you, uh, but I am uh, I'm I'm glad that you are here, and I'm I think we need to discuss a uh, really important points. That suicide is such a, a problem that we are facing, and is you know as we go through the pandemic, it hasn't gotten any better. And you know you do have a Out of the Darkness Walk, which is an annual, uh, and I say annual because COVID has messed everything <laughs> everything up. Uh, but WALK coming up on September 17th at the Navy Marine Corps Memorial Stadium. And we want to talk about that a little bit later and find out how people can get involved. Talk to me a little bit about the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention. I mean, what what is it that you do? I mean, obviously, you advocate for suicide prevention. Um, but I imagine there's an awful lot more.
1: Yeah. First of all, thanks for having me because uh, this is uh, an important conversation. And thanks for being an advocate for us. Um, but the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention is a national organization, and our mission is to save lives and bring hope to those affected by suicide. So that includes people that had a loss to suicide, people that have suicidal thoughts, had an attempt, people that are caretakers, and now also includes everyone that has mental health struggle uh, or is just passionate about this cause. And we really focus on funding suicide research, So each year we invest between 5 and $7 million in new research, but also continue to fund research about why are people dying by suicide, how can we prevent suicide, how can we support lost survivors. Then as a chapter, the Maryland chapter goes out in the community and educates about what are the warning signs, risk factors, how can we prevent suicide. We also advocate on a local and national level. So we meet with legislators in Annapolis and D.C. and advocate for uh, important things like the new 988 number that we're hopefully going to talk about. Yes, absolutely. And then also, lastly, we have a support system for our lost survivors. So if you had a loss to suicide, we can connect you with other lost survivors. That program is called Healing Conversations. And it gives lost survivors an idea of, okay, I'm not alone in this, because that's how they feel. And it also gives them some guidance in their healing journey because, as you can imagine, it's a devastating loss. It's often unexpected. So they don't even know how to grieve or how to start this healing journey, and that's what we are here for.
0: Well, as you mentioned, all of the constituencies, I guess, that you serve, um, I just look and, and I mean, I know very peripherally the, the suicide problem that we have, and that touches pretty much everybody in some way. Uh, it, it may not be directly to your family or your your best friend, but there is a classmate, there is a neighbor, there is a coworker. Uh, there is just somebody that was, you know involved in the community, mm-hmm. that is a member of the community, and it really does touch. Everybody.
1: Yeah. So I mean, when I started this job six years ago, nobody wanted to talk about suicide. But now we also know that fifty percent of all Americans have been touched by suicide in one way or the other. Right. So it's not something that people can say that they're not aware of, or this is not happening to them anymore. Right. Um, The actually, the suicide numbers went down in the last two years. Really. Yeah. So on a national scale. We had an increase over the last two decades. It kept going up and up. In 2019, we saw a drop. So it went down to 47,000 Americans. And now in 2021, I'm just trying to keep track of the years, uh, we saw another um, decrease and we're now down to 45,000, right? And even in Maryland, um, we had a drop last year. Um, it went down to 585. So that's a drop by 80 people. So during the pandemic, something happened where the suicide rate went down. We just don't know why yet, because the research is not there. Our data is always two years behind. It comes from the Center of Disease Control. But what we do see is that people report that they are more stressed, they have more anxiety, they are um, depressed Right. So this is a little bit confusing for us right now and something to pay attention to. We definitely see that people are um, under a lot of stress still from the pandemic, job loss, whatever it is. But we also think that they're more vocal about it. Right. So people are finally learning how to talk about mental health and that it's okay to talk about mental health. So we do feel like people are more okay to share their struggle and also ask for help.
0: Well, there's, you know, there- As as we look through our cultures as it's moved, I remember, you know, when AIDS first came out, it was like, oh, shh, don't say anything about that. You know, that's, uh, you know, uh, and and even, you know, something as mundane as divorce. I remember I had a really good friend of mine. They were like, oh, shh, don't say anything. She's getting divorced. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, you know, I go in like a bull in a china shop saying, oh, man, you're getting divorced. That stinks. Um, But, you know, we're talking about it now. Which is is so important, you know, and it's you know you look into lifestyle, okay? You look into the LGBTQ movement, you look into AIDS and the and the disease, and I think even when COVID came out, people were like, "Oh, he has the COVID." Mm-hmm. Everybody's got the COVID mm-hmm. now, now at this point. Uh, you know, I went to I went two and a half years without having it, and I picked it up in September. So, um, it's good that it's it's being talked about, and you know, I guess one question is, and I noticed that. Unfortunately, with the Bay Bridge, we do have some people that will stop on the Bay Bridge and they will take their lives by suicide or make an attempt to do it. And the police tend to be very hush hush on that. And I mean, and it's a really double edged sword, I would have to think, that, you know, we want to know that there is help. We must say, hey, there is help. You don't need to get to this point. Uh, I, I get their point that's like, well, we don't want to have to give anybody ideas. Mm-hmm. What what's your thought on something like that?
1: Yeah, so that's actually extensive research on that. That suicide has a copycat effect. For some reason, um, when people hear about a suicide, we see an increase in that particular method or the location, right? So uh, when you have a prominent suicide, we see an uptick in that particular method because it's being shared by media. And we really recommend when we share our stories, whether it's in in private, in a private place, or especially then with media where it gets out to thousands of people, that we do not share the method. It doesn't matter what it is, whether it is a bridge or not, right? So we really try to not share the method unless it's important for the story. Because somebody who already struggles might get an idea from it, or they already thought about it and they think now it's okay to do that. We don't want to encourage them or plan their deal. Uh, but what we can do is we can talk about the, the crisis line. We can talk about how you can get help and how you can have a conversation about your struggle, but really not the method. Also, keep in mind that a lot of people lost uh, loved ones on through that method. So every time they hear this, every time they're being reminded, it can be really traumatizing for them. Right? So this is something they have to live with for the rest of their life and being reminded or you know sometimes just being surprised by it can really trigger some trauma. So we really want to be mindful of how we share this information.
0: What's the, what's the most predominant method that I mean is, does it change in different areas of the country or No,
1: so in America The leading cause of death or the leading cause to die by suicide is through firearms. So 51% of all suicides are completed with a firearm. And that is very specific to the U.S. because we have um, more access to firearms. It's just uh, more normal to have firearms. I'm European, so we don't have as much access to firearms. And that is a huge problem because firearms are lethal. Right? If somebody um, chooses a different method, there might be extra time to get help, but a FIAM is most of the time lethal.
0: Is that is that the critical component of preventing a suicide is time?
1: Yes, time. So uh, a suicidal episode lasts between minutes and hours. It's an episode, so it means it comes and goes. There are people that might be have one episode in their life, and there's people that have it over and over again. But this is the critical part, right? When they're in the episode, their brain stops thinking. They cannot think clearly. Um, there is no reasoning with them, so you can't even convince them. But what you can do is a helper, keep them safe because that episode will go by, right? And then after the episode, they can think more clearly again and think uh, about what the consequences would have been. So time is of essence here and keeping them safe and when we talk about firearms, we always talk about safe storage. So really making sure that if you already have a firearm in your house, to store it safely. Lock it up, put ammunition in a different place, ideally outside the house, or even hand over your firearm when you feel like you or your family is not safe. So Maryland actually has a safe storage map where you can go to retailers and hand over your firearm without questions asked, and they will keep it safe for you till you pick it up again. Really? Yes. So this is something that is uh, was established in Colorado first, and now Maryland is the second state. It is something that uh, the Biden administration recommended to all the states and hopefully will come soon. Uh, And then on top of that, we have the extreme risk protection order where you can work with police.
0: That's the red flag order, red red flag.
1: Right, where uh, you can work with police and have somebody's firearm removed. Um, they have to go to court. So this, again, puts time between the thought and the action. So it keeps that person safe that might be struggling with suicidal thoughts.
0: And for those that aren't aware of the red flag law that we have, and Anne Arundel County uh, has used it considerable number of times. It's a fairly new law in the state of Maryland. But if you have, as a close associate, uh, feel that the person that has access to a firearm uh, could harm themselves or somebody else... Uh, you can make that notification, and under this law, the police can temporarily until it gets into court and it's adjudicated and everything else, but turn around and say, "Hey, look, we need we need all the guns. And they take them and and I, I imagine it's probably very similar to the safe storage thing where they they just sort of hold on to them and let's right. see. The safe
1: storage is completely voluntary, right? You as the owner hand in your firearm. And usually those uh, places are retail stores or shooting ranges, so they have also a way to lock them up. Um, I know military bases also offer that to uh, anybody who's active uh, duty, so really making sure that if you're not feeling safe with your firearm or you feel like somebody else in your family could use it, then um, hand it over for a certain period of time and make sure that your family
0: is safe. So the the thoughts of suicide are temporary. Mm -hmm. And obviously we do know that the uh, the action is permanent, uh, or, or certainly uh, can be. Um, you mentioned we do have a new number, 988, which is uh, pretty exciting. I mean, the original number was 800-273-TALK, or 8255, and that still is around uh, for those that have that ingrained in their mind and everything mm-hmm. else. Uh, and I just realized that it had the acronym TALK, which is kind of uh, interesting. But uh, 988 goes to that same
1: Yes. So what happened on July 16 is um, we did have a suicide prevention lifeline for many years, and basically the same system switched to the three-digit 988. So if you imagine, 988 is a new 911 for any kind of mental health crisis. So if you're in crisis mentally, if you are dealing with substance abuse or you have suicidal thoughts, you can call 988. 988. 988 is so much easier to remember than the 10-digit sure. number, right? Uh, but even if you call the 10-digit number, it will be in place for years to come. So it's not going to go away. And here in Maryland, um, it actually directs you to eight local crisis centers. And the importance is it actually reads your um, the code on your phone, so the area code. So if you have a Maryland number, you will go to a Maryland crisis center, and, so if
0: you're in Colorado with your Maryland phone, you'll go to a Maryland right. center. So okay. This
1: is a little bit of an issue still, but there is work around this where they actually start targeting you where you're at, right? right. So this just needs a little bit more technology and uh, some time to evolve. But down the road, the plan is to wherever you call that state. Right. You will be connected to your local crisis center because this is important because they have the local resources. They can tell you where to go locally instead of, you know, when you're in Colorado and you you, you don't you're have to right. use for Maryland resources. Right. So this is going to change. Uh, but right now. Our crisis centers are amazing. You, uh, usually they pick up within 20 seconds. You then will be directed to a Maryland crisis center. But in the case they are overwhelmed, they're a backup centers, So somebody will pick up your call no matter what.
0: What happens when I call?
1: So you hear an announcement. Basically, they're asking you if you are a veteran. Then you have to press 1. And then also if you want to have it in somebody that speaks Spanish, you can press 2. And then they will connect you to a trained counselor who will just ask how you are. You don't have to tell them anything about you unless you want to. They don't need to know your name, where you live, nothing. Uh, Basically, just ask you what your crisis is, what you need help with, and then have a conversation. And this is so crucial. Most people who struggle just need a conversation. They need somebody that listens to them. And then that counselor can also provide resources, right? They can tell you um, where to go, what to do. Most calls can be de-escalated within 45 minutes. So all the person needs is a conversation. Wow. And then um, they're also uh, offering text service. So if you're not a talkative person or you don't want to talk to someone, you can text 988 uh, and have this conversation via text.
0: You can text that as well? yes. Interesting. Well, I think we're moving into a world where a lot of people don't text. I mean, you know, voicemail is almost non-existent anymore. Right. And it's
1: it's a scary conversation, right? So why not start with a text, right? And you can always call later. But the 988, so all you have to put in your phone is 988 and text. There's also a national crisis text line at 741741.
0: Okay. And that's a similar...
1: Right, similar concept. Um, the nine eight eight is actually the text line is pretty new. We now can offer it in Maryland, uh, some states states might don't have it yet. So this is still developing, but Maryland definitely has it.
0: Well, I'll tell you one of the things that we need, and you're talking about a, a conversation is really the the first step to preventing uh, somebody from taking their life by suicide, and. For those that are listening, my words are chosen very carefully because I got yelled at last time we talked to about the, using the word committing suicide. And I think it's important to reemphasize that mm-hmm. because uh, it it all stems from mental health. And, and, you know, you don't say somebody committed cancer or, and to use your example, or committed a car crash or, you know, right. I mean— So we're
1: trying to change the culture around it. So commit is associated with something negative. You commit a crime, right? Right. So uh, suicide used to be a crime. So we want to move away from this idea of this is something negative. This is something we cannot talk about. So we say died by suicide or they killed him herself. It just makes it such a more normal conversation and the same way we talk about cancer or diabetes that's how we should talk about mental health and there suicide.
0: there there are many different ways that that people will die within a right. year and and this just unfortunately happens to be one of them you know and but the conversation is really all important and i I'll, I'll go back to a story when my kid was in third grade or something like that my ex-wife got a call from the school saying hey we need to talk to you we think that um, your son might be having suicidal thoughts. And she calls me up at work and she says, I got this call, you know, absolutely in a panic. And I'm going, oh, that's crazy. I mean, I know my kid. I know my kid. And uh, so we go in and and ultimately it was somewhat of a misunderstanding. He was on the bus and somebody was like, said something and picked on him. And just as like a third grader would go, oh my gosh, yeah. Oh, you hurt my feelings. I think I'm going to go kill myself. Bus driver heard it Mm -hmm. and reported it. Part of me walked out of that meeting going, that was a ridiculous waste of time. And the other part of me was going, thank them. You know, there there's a bus driver making, you know, 10 bucks an hour or whatever it is, driving a metal tube full of little cruds, you know, uh, has the wherewithal to listen. And the school district has the wherewithal to sit there and say, hey, let's have that conversation. Um, I
1: mean, this is exactly what we teach, right? So whenever you... Here's something, because sometimes people tell you that they struggle, right? But every time somebody's behavior changes, just think about what could it be. And maybe they'd be just struggling, uh, but it also could be suicidal thoughts. So that's when we really encourage you to have a conversation, uh, starting with how are you? I've noticed you've been frustrated. I've noticed X, Y, Z, right? And really let them know that somebody is watching them and cares about them. Because that person, if they're struggling, they feel alone. They feel like nobody cares. Their brain is telling them that they're not worth it,
0: right? You, you've, you've heard the stories where the, the suicide notes are left, if will, and it's like, you know, nobody will, and, and, and that's, I guess, fairly typical. It's like, well, the world will be fine without me.
1: Well, the, the a person that is struggling with suicidal thoughts, their brain is telling them that they're not worth it, that they are not loved, which is Pretty much never the case. There's always somebody that cares about you. But when you're in the situation, you can't think clearly, right? You can't think about um, what other people might be doing for you. Or you can't even recognize that they're caring. So really, uh, that person has a very different way of seeing things and often doesn't see them clearly. So if you live with somebody who struggles, you need to remind them all the time that they're loved, that they're cared for. Uh, And I know this is super frustrating. And sometimes caretakers who live with somebody who has a mental health condition, I know it's really tiresome. But reminding them, and also have other people remind them that they're loved, that they have a community. Because, I mean, most of us have some sort of community.
0: Everybody's got a posse. Right.
1: And then we're often not aware of it. But when there's a crisis, everybody pitches in, right? Uh, But if you have suicidal thoughts, that often doesn't even occur to you. And you just you know feel so alone. Some people who have suicidal thoughts feel like a burden. Um, imagine if you had a mental health condition for years. You maybe have been inpatient several times. You you know your family has been supporting you for years. You feel like a burden, and that is something unfortunately many do feel like. So reminding them that they're not right. That you hear that you love them. That you want to support them. Uh, If you're a caretaker, it's also okay to ask for help. You don't have to be there 24-7. You can ask other people to step in and help you because it's very overwhelming, right? Sure. So whoever that is, other family members, a friend, but it's not all on you as a caretaker either.
0: But you think that how are you doing is is the...
1: It is just the start, right? The
0: the great intro question? Yeah,
1: I think it's really a, a, a start and it's normal. That's how we usually ask things, right? right. Uh, you can also ask how you're feeling. And then really also going into, I have noticed, because apparently something
0: that's, stuck out to that, you, that, right? That's, that's really affirming.
1: Right. And then just really saying, I've noticed you have been different. Some, I'm not sure what it is, but something is different. And I would like to have a conversation about this. Is something going on? Can I help you? And how can I help you? Because then this person might be like, okay, this is actually somebody who cares.
0: Wow. It's, it's so simple when you see. And
1: I'm, I'm not saying this helps every time and this is going to make everything go away. And a lot of people will push you away at the beginning because we're also not really used to opening up right yet. So especially different generations. So if this is an older generation, they might be just blowing it off. We well, see a problem with, like, you know, veterans or male that always um, had this idea of being tough and not being able to talk about their mental health. Um, so just keep pushing and reminding them in a nice way that you care and that you want to have this conversation.
0: Do you find that when somebody does ask, hey, how are you doing? How are you feeling? Um, I noticed you've been dip- Something's off. Um, do the floodgates open? Typically, it's like, oh, thank God somebody know you know so, noticed and and
1: right. It depends on the situation and the person. And I'm saying you know sometimes it helps and sometimes you need to ask over and over again or maybe of people get other people involved and ask. Um, but I see it at the walks, right? So sometimes you see people standing off. I mean, in Annapolis, we have a crowd of a thousand people, but you still can pick up some people that stand on the side that maybe stay behind and just checking in with them. And you can see how they're opening up and see that somebody noticed and somebody cares. Um, when I started, I was so scared of asking them, like, how are they doing if they need anything, right? Because I didn't want to open the floodgates of, I lost somebody recently, um, or just being overwhelmed and not being able to help them. But that's not what they're looking for. They're looking for a conversation and that somebody cares.
0: Well, and, and also, I, th- I think it's coming out of a position of caring as opposed to, prying or you know
1: right and just also like letting them know i care about you and uh this is not an interrogation where it becomes a little bit tricky is with teenagers right so um this conversation should always be done in a private place not at the dinner table when there's other people around right so find a good time where you have Both of you have time, not when, you know, you try to get to work and the other person hops on the school bus. This is not a good time. Really make time for this. Come
0: on, buddy, get in the car. Let's go for a ride.
1: But with youth, they often get shut down. They're not being taken serious, right? So we often dismiss their feelings, but we need to keep in mind they're discovering their feelings and emotions. So they might not always have the right way of explaining it or telling us. So be patient with them.
0: Teen suicide is also a a huge issue as well. I mean, I I don't don't know what the statistics are, whether it's more skewed toward, you know, teenagers or young adults or older adults. I mean, I I get that, you know, somebody may get diagnosed with some kind of a terminal illness and say, okay, you know, I I mean, I've, you know, you've got the whole assisted suicide Mm -hmm. conversation that goes with that. But I mean, as you said, teens are are developing their feelings, or they're, they're maturing. And uh, I mean, they say that the male brain doesn't, you know, hit, till you hit 25. I mean, some people accuse, me, it, <laughs> accuse me of all youth. me of hadn't had, hadn't hit at yeah. 60. So so
1: we we got to keep in mind that the, our brains are developing till we're 25. So till we're 25, they're not fully developed. And then you also have different stages. Kids develop at a different speed, right? We also need to teach them vocabulary about feelings, uh, something, you know, how to express your feelings. And there's a lot more happening. I have a four-year-old. We definitely have a different conversation. I never really learned how to talk about feelings, and she's already doing that, right? So it's a different generation. But also keeping in mind that they often don't know how to because they've never been taught and they're, st- they're still really uh, learning. And then they're talking to a generation that also never learned how to talk about this, right? Or There's a disconnect there. right? Or a generation that was told not to talk about it. so um, Or has zero idea about mental health, right? I mean, this is something that is relatively new to everyone, that we have this this brain that does things that are not always clear and not always logical, right? And how we can actually address it, that there is therapy, that people can go to therapy and that it's actually normal to do that, that you can take medication for your mental health and sometimes have to take medication, right? So this is all a little bit new. Um, so when you have that conversation, be patient, whoever it is. Um, this is not an easy conversation. And it's not straightforward. Uh, but I can tell you that it's something that tells that person that they are being cared for and that somebody shows them that they matter.
0: I would think even subliminally a teen could come out of that conversation and go, oh, that was horrible, you know, you know, nothing, you know, but deep down they do. Right,
1: and, and you know, when it really, um, when they hit rock bottom, they will ask for help. We know from teens that they will go to their peers first, right? That's their go-to person. But the peers are often not educated enough to help them. So we start teaching teenagers and even now five-year-olds what is mental health? What does it look like? How can you support your friend? But it always leads back to how to connect with a trusted adult. The trusted adult can be your parents, ideally. But if they're not the right, right. person, a teacher,
0: needs, a pastor,
1: your soccer coach, whoever. But going back cool to bus adult, that bus driver, that whatever. And also reminding them, and that's for everyone. Keep asking till you find the right person, because we all deal with stuff all day long, right? So I might have a bad day myself, and I cannot help you right now. So if that person cannot help, it doesn't mean they don't care. They're dealing with something themselves, right? So move but on. But there's to the next somebody thing. else that is able right. to do
0: it. And you know, again, if you're in crisis here in Anne Arundel County, I mean, we do have an outstanding crisis response team that has been recognized uh, not just statewide, not just nationwide, but worldwide um, for what for what they do. And it's uh, somewhat of a hybrid of uh, social counseling and police work ish. Um,
1: and, and this is very unique to Anne Arundel, but this is actually our goal. So nine eight eight. Um, and even 911 can notify mobile crisis and mobile crisis comes out first of all they're trained in dealing with mental health situations they know how to talk and they also show up unarmed which is really important in certain situations
0: and and they're mostly ununiformed if you will yeah. I mean I mean they, they, you obviously realize they're an official representative of Right, government or whatever but i mean it's, it's 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 not the the big police belt with a cop with his hands way right. out to the side i mean
1: imagine uh, there's a lot of people that had to go um and be arrested or were transported to the er that's a very traumatizing experience oh, sure mobile crisis is really a tool where they have these conversations can de-escalate keep that person safe and then make recommended, or recommendations where to go to. They don't have to sit in the police car. They don't have to sit in an ER that is not ideal, is not equipped to hand, handle mental health conditions, right? So um, we really want to encourage to call the 988 first, uh, and then they will dispatch mobile crisis if need be. Who then can have a conversation about this mental health crisis right. without de-escalating the situation?
0: I have a couple of friends that had... Been involved with uh, the mobile, the, the crisis response unit here in the county, and uh, they just sing their praises. And it, it happened to be a teen that was going through all sorts of stuff in high school, as pretty much every every teen does to a degree. Uh, but they said that it was it was you could really tell that there was a true caring from that because. The, they they called back, they followed up. It, was, it wasn't just, I mean, yes, they came in, they de escalated the situation. Mm-hmm. Um, we got whatever help was, was suggested, required, needed mm-hmm. to do that at that point. Um, but then a month later, it was like, hey, here I am doing the dialing thing, which we don't do anymore. Yeah. Hey, how is you know Mary doing?
1: The, the follow up is so crucial, and that's actually something we train uh, primary care in right now. It's called uh, Safe the program that we um, use. The we know from statistics that a third of people who have suicidal thoughts or died by suicide saw their primary care physician uh, before they died. Right, so they knew something was off. They knew um, you know whether they had. St- terrible stomach ache from their anxiety, but they knew something was off, so they went to see the primary care physician. That primary care physician might thus attest, might do screening, might even address the suicidal thoughts, but there was no follow-up. Um, they barely call you back, you know, the next day a week later, a month later. So this is part of the teaching. You need to stay involved with your patient. You need to make sure that they have the resources, that they go actually see a mental health professional afterwards. Um, That is, I know, a lot to ask from primary care, but this is really important because... That person is coming to you and asking for help in a in a different way. It's not maybe an upfront question, but you can be that tool that helps them to get the help they need.
0: I've I've seen that. I know during COVID, um, a stressful time for everybody. And uh, surprisingly, you said that the you know the suicide rate had gone down a little bit. But I know my own primary care doctor did give me that whole, hey, so how are you dealing with the whole shut in stuff mm-hmm. like that? And I'm like. I've been shut in. You know, I work from home. I've been shut in for years. I'm good, um, but it, it was something unusual that he talked to. I mean, it wasn't like the you know, okay, uh, breathe deep. You know, mm-hmm. <sighs> doing the you know, let, let me listen to the lungs now. Let me do a, the thump on the chest. Let me look in your pupils and your yeah. ears and everything else, um, which I thought was really interesting. That uh, Doctor Preben had mentioned and said, "Hey, you know, are you yeah. are you doing okay?" And you know, as, as you said, I mean, you know. We're talking about primary care doctors. I mean, if we break a leg, we're going to go get help for it. Uh nobody nobody breaks a leg or, you know, gets a huge bad infection or flu or something like that and just doesn't do anything about it. Uh oh yeah, I'm 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 going to muscle through this spike that went through my head when I fell on the you know in the yard. Uh, you you don't do that. And your mental health should be no different than your physical health.
1: Absolutely. Um but that said, mental health is just a little bit trickier, right? Because it often goes hand in hand with physical issues. So, let's say you have anxiety and it shows up as stomach ache. Uh, you know what a stomach ache feels like, yeah. but do you really think about anxiety? So, this is where we have to be just a little bit more educated and just really also assume that this might be a mental health issue. And when you go see your primary care, ask could this be a mental health issue? Um, I have had thyroid issues and my heart um, used to start racing, um, but I'm in remission. And so during the pandemic, my heart started doing the same. And my question to the doctor was like, is my thyroid issue back or am I just having anxiety? Right. And so, you know, right. we can check the blood work. It was not a thyroid issue. It was my anxiety. So I could put a finger on it and then I can also, you know, react. I was able then to do meditation and just be more mindful about why I'm feeling that way and be proactive about it, right? Talk
0: yourself down a little bit. But
1: I learned that through my work with AFSP. So I would have not known before
0: that. True, true. Well, I'll tell you what, let's talk about the out of darkness walk. Um, if you want to register for this, the website is afsp.org, and right all over the front page, it's like, find a walk near me. I know it's, there's a number of links that are on there.
1: Right, but you can also go to afsp.org slash Annapolis, and then you're right there on the walk website.
0: Awesome. Um, September 17th, and what, explain the walk. What I mean, obviously it is, and there's several walks that the city has on different I know there's some different cancer walks that have gone on and and everything else, but this is just to raise awareness. And I think that, especially with this walk, it's always very sobering to me to look at how many people are out at one time that suicide has impacted in in some way.
1: Mm -hmm. So I actually call it a day of hope because um, I I think this is going to be my 100th walk this year, but... um, it is really you go to a suicide prevention walk and you think like, oh, my goodness, this is going to be heavy. This is going to be something, you know, I'm, I might need a break from afterwards. But it's a really upbeat event. So I think it's a very hopeful event. Everybody who walks away on the, at the end of the day really feels hopeful. Um, the fact that we connect with each other that day, and we see others who have a similar story really helps us to keep going. Uh, we all wear Mardi Gras are nine different colors. Each color represents a loss or your connection to the cost. So when you walk around and you see orange beads, the loss of a sibling, you see somebody else wearing the same beads. you immediately know what their story is. You can connect with them without having to say a word. Right, and then seeing that other people had a similar struggle or experience is really healing
0: well how do, how does the walk work i mean okay it's it's obviously it is a fundraiser to continue your education and continue the prevention you know work that you're that you're doing mm-hmm. in the state of Maryland, and uh, I still can't close my mind that you've got two states for one <laughs> one woman, but that's uh, near that. I mean, you can register on site to, to walk and you can right. preferably do it in advance.
1: Yes. I, I personally would prefer if you register online, but of course you can come on the day off register. Um, it is free to register. There is no fundraising minimum. We want you to come out and be a part of this experience. If you raise $150 or more, you get a shirt from us that says Together to Fight Suicide. This year it's purple. And um, then... You basically join us for an opening ceremony. We do an honor beat ceremony where we highlight nine of our walkers that wear one of the beat colors. They share their story, and then we walk through um, downtown. Actually, this year it's a little bit shorter because of all the constructions, uh, but we walk down Annapolis. We have usually around a thousand three hundred people walk together, and it's just a great day of you know being picked up wherever you are in your healing journey whatever your story is being part of this bigger community finding new people that can help you along your journey of healing
0: well it does start at 10am is when the walk starts i guess that's you've got the opening ceremonies and and everything else yeah so else actually
1: then. registration starts at 9 and then opening starts at 10
0: how long does it take it's it's you say it's an all day of healing and then you're back is it a round trip back to the stadium
1: Yes, yeah, so actually, uh, um, the opening will be done by around ten thirty, and the walk is maybe an hour, if at all, and then just everybody hops back in their car. Some families and some teams go to restaurants, have their own parties afterwards. So, um, I know a lot of people. Um, this for them, this is also a day for what the family comes together, right? So they often live out of state, but this is their day of coming together and celebrating the loved one. Uh, we also have uh, pictures of our loved ones on the Jumbotron, so they run through the event. Uh, just a great way of remembering them and um, families coming together and, and being, despite the, the tragedy that it experienced, sharing their hope within their family and other families that maybe are new to this experience.
0: Well, I challenge anybody that's listening that to think, and think if you've been impacted by suicide in some way. I know uh, I have way too many times, and uh, one time is too many times, to be honest with you. Jump on board this. Uh, again, there's no fundraising minimum, but obviously if you want to raise funds, go for it and do it, that's for sure. But you can go to afsp.org slash Annapolis. Um, other ways that we can, we can help you. I mean, we can obviously, I think, just... Aside from the walk, out of the darkness walk, we can turn around and we can probably just write a check to you. Um, Uh, Checks
1: are great, but I think it's even more important to help raise awareness. We do provide free resources and free training. So if you are a workplace, a school, a club, please invite us to come out and do a presentation for you. We have different kinds of presentations for the general audience, for teens, for seniors. Uh, We talk about firearm safety. Please invite us to talk to your community and create a culture that is smart about mental health and suicide, because that's how we can prevent suicide.
0: Well, I think, you know, you go to the community, you don't know who is, and before we started recording, we were talking out in front of the library before they opened the doors saying that mental health really is a very good disguiser. And you don't know what everybody may be struggling with or may not be. And we looked at a group of maybe twenty people that were out there. They appeared to be all happy and frolicking. And hey, yay! The library's getting ready to open up, and it, it was a perfect Thursday morning for them. But I would venture to say that probably you know three or four of them probably do have some sort of a mental health struggle. So it's so important to ask that question to say what it is. And also when you 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 have an, a workforce, you've got a great audience there that may just start to question. It's like hey, you know and. And the more we can question that, I think, has got to be better. It's like, well, gosh, you know, I didn't think that the stomachache could be. And so-and-so has been complaining about the stomachache. Just ache.
1: imagine how much time we spend at school or at work, right? These are actually the people that we see most of our day. So these could also be the people that can help us, that people that can recognize things. Is my coworker acting differently? Are they, you know, wearing the same clothes over and over again? is there something going on and I can reach out to them?
0: I wear the same clothes over and over again <laughs> just because I hate doing laundry, but that's...
1: <laughs> also, you're a dude. <laughs> yeah.
0: so,
1: um, but this is, I think this is really something where everybody can be a part of this journey. It's not rocket science. It's, you don't have to be a mental health professional to help somebody. This is important. Everybody can start that conversation. And if you get stuck, if you don't know what else to do, you can call 988.
0: costs nothing to lend a hand... Great. To give somebody a a, a leg up, a, a lift up, and it, you never know what it might where it might lead. I mean, yeah. it, uh, or I've, what it I've might n- prevent. I've
1: noticed around town uh, somebody's hanging those be kind signs. I don't know if you noticed that. I, do,
0: I, I, I I have noticed them. Do you have any idea who's doing it?
1: I have no idea. I want to find out because that is a great reminder because you never know what this person is going through, right? They're on the
0: telephone poles, they're nailed and they' they look like little arrows and
1: right. And I think it's a great reminder, really. Remind yourself that that person across from you might be going through something today and that's why they're grumpy. That's why they're ignorant. Just be kind.
0: This has been a bonus podcast from I on Annapolis. Please visit us at ionanapolis.net. Follow us on Facebook at All Annapolis and on Twitter at ionannapolis. Annapolis. And if you haven't subscribed to the Daily News Brief podcast, go for it. And all of your local news will be delivered to your phone, tablet, or smart device by 6 a.m. every Monday through Friday.